Well, we finished our study on the names of God in kind of our open Wednesday night Bible study, and I was racking my brain over different things. There's several different directions I want to go, several different things I want to share with you in this Wednesday night Bible study. But I thought a good next place to go would just be a, uh, an unhurried time through the book of Proverbs. I love the book of Proverbs, and I thought it would be good to uh, just expose us all anew and afresh to the wisdom found in this book. That's why the title of the study is Walking in Wisdom, because this book teaches us how to walk in wisdom. Now, all throughout the Bible, we see the metaphor of walking, you know, walk in a worthy manner. Uh, uh, walk in wisdom, and, and, and this, this metaphor of walking uh, it speaks of the manner of, of, of life, the, the, the manner of, the, of life in which we live. And so when I say walking wisdom, I'm saying our manner of life is wise. It is according to wisdom. I want to start with this quote from Ray Ortland Jr. in his really, really powerful commentary on the book of Proverbs. He writes, Everyone is on a path. Everyone is going somewhere. When we feel stuck, even when we feel trapped, the truth is we are still in motion. Life is a journey. And the end of it all is not just a place, but also a condition. Now listen to this next statement. We are becoming the end of our journey. Think about that. We are becoming the end of our journey. In other words, the end of our journey will be what it will be because of what happens now. Does that make sense? So what happens now is going to affect how it all ends up. So we are becoming the end of our journey. That's, that was worth you coming tonight, just for that little phrase. All right? So you need to mark that down, highlight it, and, and, and memorize that phrase and think about it because we are becoming the end of our journey. Let me say it another way. What you want at the end, you need to build in at the beginning. Okay? So he says, wise or foolish, in every moment it takes us closer there. What God is going after through this book is change deep inside our hearts. His wisdom sinks in as we mull over these biblical proverbs slowly and thoughtfully. We need multiple exposures over time. This book is not a quick fix. It is ancient wisdom from long human experience endorsed by God himself. That's a great statement. Let me read it again. This book is not a quick fix. It is an ancient wisdom from long human experience endorsed by God himself. If we'll play, pay close attention, God will graciously make us into profound people. I like that. What a great introduction. So if that little quote doesn't whet your appetite for studying Proverbs, I don't know what will. Because we're on a journey, and uh, we are becoming the end of our journey right now, and so we need God's wisdom so that we can live in a way that will take us the right direction, so it all ends up in a way that honors and glorifies God. And the book of Proverbs will help us to do that. And so tonight I'm going to give you some introductory thoughts on Proverbs, just some background concerning the book, and we're going to get into the first seven verses kind of in depth, and that'll be it tonight, okay? So I told you we're not going to go real fast, and then we'll kind of pick up the pace as we go from there. But we need to understand some, some, some background information. Let's talk about the author and date for a moment. Uh, Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs. You'll see in a minute that some others wrote some of it, but Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs. Everybody look up for a moment. Uh, who was Solomon? David's son. Who was his mom? Bathsheba. Okay, so if you want to know 
a little bit more about how that all went down, you can go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. That's my quiet time tomorrow, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 11. So go read that story in the following chapters, and you'll see uh, how that all came to pass. It's a sad episode in David's life. But Solomon was uh, his son. And what was Solomon's job? Built the temple. What was his role in Israel? He was king. Right? He took over uh, as king from his father, David. That would make him the third king of Israel. And he uh, reigned over a kingdom that grew and expanded and was wealthy and powerful. And his reign was something to behold. And if you remember, Solomon was very, very wise and he was wise because God gave him wisdom. We talked about this last Wednesday night. We talked about 1 Kings chapter 3 where the Lord appears to Solomon and says, Ask me for whatever you want. And remember we said last week that if God invites you to ask for anything you want, what you ask for reveals what's in your heart. So if God says, Ask me for whatever you want and say, I want $10 million, that reveals that, that, that money is at the forefront of your heart. But Solomon uh, asks for discernment so he can rule the nation of Israel well. And God is, is pleased by that request, and so he gives him a great amount of wisdom, and he also gives him a great success in his kingdom. But Solomon was wise because God gave him wisdom in response to his request. Now, we know that he reigned as king of Israel from about 971 to about 931 B.C., a time of great prosperity in the nation of Israel. So that was when he was writing these proverbs or collecting these proverbs uh, somewhere in that time period. Now let me give you just a brief outline of the book. And it's really hard to outline because this book is not linear. It's, it's wisdom literature. It's not, a, it's not a letter like Paul writing to the church in Ephesus or Galatia or Colossae. It, it's, it's not a historical account like 1 Samuel that kind of tells an unfolding story. It's, it's wisdom literature which is, which is literature that is poetic and meant to teach moral truths. And so you see uh, themes recurring several times throughout the book, not in a linear fashion, but more in a circular fashion. And, and, and there's, there's, it's really hard to kind of outline the book, but there's kind of a, a broad way to outline it. So let me just kind of walk you through this very quickly. Part one is a, is a father's call to wisdom. That's chapters one through nine. It's basically a father calling his son or sons, um, his offspring, to live in wisdom. And it's a compelling call, and it, and it is uh, powerful to look at. That's chapters 1 through 9. Uh, chapters 10 through 22, we see just various Proverbs of Solomon. So chapters 1 through 9 is a little bit more, um, little bit more uh, thought, thought out in terms of, of how it all fits together. There's some longer passages in, in chapters 1 through 9. Chapters 10 through 22 is like quick hits of, of, of wisdom. Just kind of boom, 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 boom. And changes themes and changes topics. And, and he's just kind of shooting them at us shotgun style. So that's chapters 10 through 22. Chapters, and these are Proverbs that Solomon, under the inspiration of God, wrote down. All right? Part 3 uh, is interesting. It's chapters 22 through 24. Uh, the heading could be called the 30 sayings of the wise. You're going to see something interesting when we get there. there. It actually says there are 30 wise sayings out there that you need to learn. So we're going to walk through when we get there those 30 wise sayings. And they're really powerful. And then part 4, you get more Proverbs from Solomon. That's chapters 25 through 29. Part 5, you get the wise words of Agur. 
chapter 30. So another author here, and there's question of, of how Agur's words got in, in the book. Uh, some speculate that Solomon discovered these words and, and put them in the book. There's really some, um, uh, there's a lack of information concerning who Agur really was. And then part six, we see the wise words of King Lemuel. And again, there's, there's debate over who, who King Lemuel was. Uh, we don't really know who he was. There's some conjecture as to who he was. But he writes chapter 31, which is, by the way, ladies, the famous uh, virtuous woman passage, chapter 31, which you hear every Mother's Day. All right? You didn't hear it this past Mother's Day, but you, but you, you, know, you hear it a lot. It's a great passage. So that's a basic um, outline of this book. And if you read through it, you'll kind of see these headings. Now here's a summary. Oh, by the way, before I go on, Notice there are 31 chapters to this book. And so you'll hear a lot of people encourage you, and I've encouraged you to do this, to read a proverb every day. For you read the proverb that corresponds to the day of the month. So today's May 22nd, so you would read Proverbs 22. Tomorrow you read Proverbs 23. And when you get to the end of the month, you start over at Proverbs 1. When you get to June 1st, Proverbs 1. June 2nd, Proverbs 2. And you just cycle through Proverbs that way. And I, I've done that for years I'm not doing it now with my current Bible reading plan, but I've done it for years, and it is a very, very beneficial practice, which you will uh, be encouraged by. And so it just breaks down neatly into daily readings every month. Now, let's talk about the summary. I, I love summary statements. Wait, wait can you give us a one-sentence summary of this book? How would you describe the book of Proverbs? Well, well, here it is. The first one comes from Kendall Easley, and I love Dr. Easley's one-sentence summaries. Uh, he, has, he has one for each book of the Bible, and they're really, really helpful. I used his one-sentence summaries when I uh, went from Genesis to Revelation in our Walk Through the Bible series. Uh, but this one, I'm not, I, I like it, but I'm not, I'm not crazy about it, and I'll tell you why here in a second. Here's his one-sentence summary. Those who follow God's wise design for living, particularly in areas of sexual purity and integrity of speech, avoid the perils that others fall into and enjoy life on earth as God meant it to be lived. Now, that's pretty good. Those who follow God's wise design for living, particularly in areas of sexual purity and integrity of speech, avoid the perils that others fall into and enjoy life on earth as God meant it to be lived. Now here's my one quib, uh, uh, quibble with this, this sentence. He mentions the areas of sexual purity and integrity of speech, which certainly are present uh, throughout the book of Proverbs. But there's a whole lot of other issues the book of Proverbs covers, so it's kind of not... It's really, that's not a good summary of the entire book. I mean, Proverbs talks about money. Uh, it talks about marriage. It talks about interpersonal relationships. It talks about communication. I mean, there's so much in Proverbs. So just to say that it mainly focuses on sexual purity and integrity of speech is to miss, really, a, a, a lot more of the book. And so that'd be my one... It does certainly deal with those two issues, and we'll talk a lot about that in the coming weeks, but it, there's so much more. So I would not say that's a... Uh, that's not as, as a complete of a summary as I, as I like. So here's my take on it, all right? Here's my, this is my humble, feeble attempt at a one-sentence summary of Proverbs, okay? And if you like it, that's good. If you don't like it, then I'm sorry. Okay, here it is. We need to acquire and apply God's wisdom. Both words are important there. You've got to acquire it, you've got to learn it, but you also got to live it, right? Well, that would have been good. We need to learn and live God's wisdom. We need to... We need to acquire and apply God's wisdom in our daily lives to experience God's blessings and avoid destructive consequences. All right, it's a little bit more of a broad summary. We need to acquire and apply God's wisdom in our daily lives 
to experience God's blessings and avoid destructive consequences. All right, so that's just some background information on the book of Proverbs. If you have a, a study Bible, let me encourage you this week to get your study Bible and read the intro portion of the study Bible when it comes to Proverbs. Read the kind of background and it'll give you a lot of that information as well. But just get acquainted and familiar with the book of Proverbs as we get ready to go through this study. Now, Proverbs begins with an introduction in, in chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. I'm going to read the introduction for you, and then I'm going to go back and kind of highlight some, some aspects, and we'll have some Q&A time, and we'll close things down. It says there in Proverbs 1.1, 1, 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. His name is mentioned several times throughout the book as the one who wrote or collected these sayings. And he gives us the purpose of Proverbs here. He says, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. Verse 7, the key verse. This, I think this is the key verse in the entire book. Some people would say it's Proverbs uh, 3, 4 through uh, 6, which are great verses. We'll talk about those in the coming weeks. But I think this is probably the key verse. This and Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. That verse sums up really the rest of, of the book. And so let me just talk to you about the goal of this book and then uh, the starting point for wisdom, okay? If you look there in your notes, you can just follow along with me. Number one, let's talk about the goal of the book. The goal of this book is simply to impart wisdom for the glory of God. To impart wisdom for the glory of God. purpose of the book is to give us wisdom so we can acquire it and then apply it and live in a way that honors the Lord. That's simply the, 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 the purpose or the goal, Solomon's goal in this book. Because look what he says. Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. And then he gets to the purpose, to know wisdom and instruction. So he gives us the purpose in those first seven verses, to learn this wisdom. Now I want to walk you through the words he uses in these first seven verses to help us understand uh, what he's getting at here. The first word is wisdom. The other words are really synonyms of wisdom, okay? Wisdom is a, is a kind of a comprehensive term that deals with the totality of this passage. But let's talk about wisdom. What is wisdom? You hear the word all the time. You're told to be wise, to live wisely, to walk wisely. What is wisdom? How do you kind of get your heart and mind around it? Well, let me give you some some definitions here, there on your, on your notes. This first one comes from Lewis Goldberg. And I don't know who Lewis Goldberg is. He was just quoted by someone else. But Lewis Goldberg writes, Wisdom is exhibiting God's character in the many practical affairs of life. That's pretty good. You like that? Wisdom is exhibiting God's character in the many practical affairs of life. It's not just, it's not just uh, becoming more intellectual or gaining more knowledge. It's actually exhibiting godliness on the job and in your family and when you have a falling out with your neighbor 
And when you get sick, it's, 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 it's living out God's character in the midst of life. And life happens every day. And we've got to be prepared to, to live a certain way that honors God in the midst of life that happens. And so I like that definition. I think that's a good one. I like this one. By the, this comes from the ESV Study Bible. The ESV Study Bible says, Wisdom is skill in the art of godly living. I like that one even better. Skill in the art of godly living. Living. I think that's short, succinct, concise, and right on target. Wisdom is skill. It's, it's knowing how to do certain things because you've acquired the wisdom and you're applying it to your life, and it's helping you to know how to live a godly life. All right? Here is my feeble attempt at defining wisdom, okay? I say that wisdom is insight into life revealed by God. Now, let me tell you why I say revealed by God. Turn to Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6. Proverbs 2, verse 6 says, The Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth comes knowledge so, and understanding. And so, His word, His mouth, gives us knowledge and understanding, gives us wisdom. So, where does wisdom come from? Now, I don't think we can ignore that. I think we need to say that as we define wisdom, that it comes from God. Now, there's a lot of different philosophies out there in terms of secular theories of how you acquire wisdom. Some people th- think that you acquire wisdom in life just by observing. You've you got to just kind of sit back and observe people and observe how things work and how things function. And as you watch folks and observe folks, then you will come to wisdom in your life. I think that's crazy. How many of you are people watchers? Or if you're people watchers, um, you know, there have been times when I've gone shopping with Claire and I find myself sitting on the bench in the mall. Okay, all right. So I'm going to say about that, and 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 you sit there and and you're watching people walk by, right? And and people are weird. <laughs> and you know what? I'm weird. And, and just to be real, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm not going to get wisdom by watching you. I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And you're not going to get wisdom by watching me. And that you're, if, you're not going to get what you need just by watching Wade live his life, okay? And, and the same from you. I mean, we, we can learn from each other, certainly. We can mentor each other, and I, I understand all of that. But when it comes to the wisdom we need on the totality of, of affairs we'll face in this life, we need God to give us some insight. And so wisdom comes from God. It, it, that's the, 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 the origin of wisdom. That's where it comes from. And so I think in a definition of wisdom, we need to say, okay, it comes from God. So wisdom is insight into life revealed by God that should be acquired. Okay, We should seek to acquire it, to take hold of it. Look in chapter 1, verse 2. Psalmist says here, that his purpose is that we might know wisdom and instruction, that we might be instructed by what he's saying. Look in verse 7. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. We are, we are learning some things. We're acquiring some information that's going to help us. So it needs to be acquired, but it also needs to be acted upon. Wisdom is insight into life revealed by God that should be acquired and acted upon. Look in chapter 2, verse 20. The Bible says, so you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of the righteous. That's the goal. Not that we just acquire wisdom and information, but that we actually walk in a certain way. 
that, that it affects our path in life. Does everybody see that? So it's, wisdom is not just meant to be acquired, it's meant to be applied to life, acted upon in our life. So that's my, my take. This took me an entire morning trying to formulate this definition. Wisdom is insight into life revealed by God that should be acquired and acted upon. I think that's a, 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 a good working definition of wisdom. Now let me give you this quote from Ray Ortland. It's another great quote from him. He writes, Wisdom is more than an optional add-on for people who want to upgrade their lives from, say, 4 to 7 on a scale of 1 to 10. So this is not just saying, okay, I want to make my life better, so give me some wisdom to make my life better. This wisdom from Christ is a matter of life and death. Turn, turn to Proverbs 13 with me. Proverbs 13. I want to show you this. Verse 14, Proverbs 13, 14. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life to turn aside from the snares of death. And so the Proverbs say that this, this acquiring and acting out or acting on wisdom is a matter of life and death. This is not just a life upgrade, okay? This is... This is living according to principles and insights that will keep you from destruction. Okay? So he says, This wisdom from Christ is a matter of life and death. And he quotes Proverbs 13, 14. And he says, What if we have many advantages in our lives, but not wisdom? If we have love, but not wisdom, we will harm people with the best of intentions. If we have courage, but not wisdom, we will blunder boldly. I like that. If we have truth, listen, but not wisdom, we will make the gospel ugly to other people. In other words, we don't know how to communicate it to them wisely. If we have technology, i.e. smartphones, Facebook, Twitter, Internet, TVs, if we have technology but not wisdom, we will use the best communications ever invented to broadcast stupidity. <laughs> Pretty in your face and right on target. Right on target. I mean, some of the things people type in and hit enter and put out there for the world to see. I'll, I'll move on. Listen to this. He writes, if we have revival... But not wisdom. We'll use the power of God to throw the church into reverse gear. He quotes Jonathan Edwards, who wrote during the First Great Awakening, a mighty movement of God. Listen to what Jonathan Edwards said. Jonathan Edwards said, When the devil finds he can keep men quiet and complacent no longer, then he drives them to excesses and extravagances. He holds them back as long as he can, but when he can do it no longer, then he will push them on and, if possible, run them upon their heads. But wisdom knows how to spread the gospel with no embarrassing regrets. Here's what he's saying. He's saying that that the devil wants to keep people quiet and complacent and apathetic. But when people catch fire for God and really want to serve him, then he'll, if they don't have wisdom, he'll let them act silly and go to excess and make a fool out of themselves so that there's no lasting impact from the revival. And so when it comes to truth, revival, uh, God's blessing on our life, uh, technology, whatever... We need wisdom to apply all of that correctly and to handle all of that appropriately and in the right way. So you can have a lot of good things in your life, 
But if you don't have wisdom, you can make a mess out of all those good things. Does that make sense? That's, that's the point that he's making here. We need wisdom, that insight uh, that comes from God that needs to be acquired and applied. All right? Now, any questions on this definition of wisdom before we move on to the synonyms in this passage? Any questions on, on, on wisdom tonight? I'm sorry I called you weird. I apologize. Any questions? Okay, let's look at the synonyms here. He gives us one, two, three, four, five, six, seven words that, that kind of unpack what wisdom looks like and, and, and what wisdom, how wisdom comes to us in our life. The first word is the word instruction. Look in verse 2 of Proverbs chapter 1. The goal of the book, to know wisdom and instruction. And, and you see all throughout the book, wisdom instruction or wisdom and knowledge together a lot. All right, The word instruction carries the idea of training and discipline, such as the kind a parent gives their child. And so Solomon's goal here is to pass on some information so that we can be trained in the right direction. So I, Solomon's goal here literally is parental. Because the first nine chapters are a father to a son. And, and it's even beyond that. It's parental from, from, uh, from him to us. He wants to help us to grow as children of God. So he uses the word instruction. The next word that he uses is the word understanding. Look in verse 2. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding. The word understanding means the ability to grasp a truth with insight. The ability to grasp a truth with insight. And so not only does Solomon want us to see truth, he wants us to understand, he wants us to grasp it, to, to get it. Because if you don't get something, you can't apply it. Does that make sense? So he wants us to get it, understand how life works and, and, and what God thinks about these different issues so we can understand it and get it and, and, and really begin to, to apply it and live it out. Understanding. The third word is prudence. Look in verse 4. He wants to give prudence to the naive, or your translation may say to the simple, to, to the simple ones. The word prudence is the kind of intelligence that sees the reasons behind things. People with prudence can think their way through complex matters and see what lies behind them and thereby make wise decisions about them. So prudence is not just, okay, this is right, this is wrong. Prudence is saying, how do I think through the situation, apply what I know from God, and make good decisions here because the answer is not always clear-cut? That's prudence, okay? How can I think through complex situations? And so wise people are able to, to, to think through complex things and come to good conclusions, godly conclusions, okay? That's, that's what prudence is. Because there are some issues that aren't, um, always black and white that we have to think through. You, mean, you have an example? Dave wants one. Anybody else want an example tonight? Okay, let me give you an example. And, and this hit right when I was studying through Romans 14 about, about uh, the weaker brother and, and people that, that come to do different conclusions about certain things. Um, it, it, Romans, I think it's Romans 14 where he says, you know, one doesn't want to eat food for the glory of God. Uh, another wants to eat the food uh, for the glory of God. And they come to different conclusions, but they both want to glorify God. So how do you handle that? 
One doesn't want to eat the food sacrificed to idols. The other says, no big deal. I have freedom from that. I can eat the food and not have it bind my conscience. So how do you deal with the issue when two groups of people have come to two sides of an issue um, and, and they both want to glorify God? That's tough. How do you, how do you, so let me tell you one we came up here. We had these, these flags around the side, and these flags represent uh, different countries that we go to on mission trips. Okay, each flag represents somewhere we've been in the world, and, and they're meant to be a reminder of where we've been so we can pray for the people that we've ministered to and, 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 and the countries we've sown seeds in, and also to um, propel us to, to continue to take the gospel to the nation. So these flags are a, a good visual reminder of, of God calling us to take the gospel to all the people of the world. Well, we've sent a team, uh, two teams now to the country of Wales. And so Stefan, our missions pastor, he orders the Welsh flag. Anybody ever seen the Welsh flag? It's a big, ugly, scary-looking red dragon with a pointy tail. And so Stefan pulls us out and says, wait, what do you think? And so we started thinking, okay, how are people going to interpret this flag? Okay, two different ways. One, somebody may say, that looks demonic. And for the glory of God, we don't need that in where we worship. Others might say, you know what? Wales is a lost nation. And this reminds us how lost they are and how much they need the gospel. And we need that reminder to propel us to go. And for the glory of God, we need to see that. See the issue there? Two different conclusions, but uh, both want to glorify God. You see the issue there? And, and, and people start, you know, and nobody, this is us just thinking through it. Nobody said a word about it because we were trying to think of what to do. So, okay, what do you do? How do you handle a situation like that? Do you put the flag up? Do you want to, do you not put it up? Do you, and, and so we, we went through it and talked through it, and, and, and we came to the conclusion that if there's a possibility that it could cause someone else to stumble, I was, re, I was doing my quiet time in Romans 14, I said, this is a perfect example of Romans 14. If there's a possibility it could really cause somebody to stumble, and, and they couldn't get past of how wicked this dragon looks, and they think it's demonic, then we don't need to have it in there and cause an, uh, an, an unnecessary issue, even though others may say, it reminds me of how lost Wells is, and with, I think I need to see it, okay? So we thought the wise thing is, let's don't, let's don't put it up. And so we had to think prudently through that. But guess what? After we did all that, we found out there's another Welsh flag. <laughs> and so we ordered the other Welsh flag, and we'll put that up. And uh, it may even be up. Let's see. Is, uh, is it that one? Yeah, it's that one right there. So that's the other Welsh flag without the big, scary, ugly dragon on it, okay? And so, that's, so we got that now, and so, you know, we're, we're, we're good on that. But those are issues. You see how those issues come up? And it's not just cut and dry. Let's do this. So you need to think wisely. What has God said? How do we take what God says and apply it to these different situations? And how do we glorify Him and honor Him through that? And situations that come up like that all the time. In church, in life, in family, in, on, the, on the job, all the time situations come up. And we need prudence. Not just you know, make a snap decision, but think through things. And, and, and be able to come to uh, God-honoring conclusions. That's what, that's what prudence is. Okay. Number four is knowledge. Knowledge. Again, you see knowledge and wisdom together all the time throughout the book of Proverbs. Look what he says in verse 4. To give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge. The word knowledge carries with it the idea of learning or scholarship. It comes from a Hebrew root that describes skill in hunting, Genesis 25, 27, sailing, 2 Chronicles 8, 18, and playing a musical instrument, 1 Samuel 6, 16. So all those things, hunting, sailing, playing a musical instrument, you have to, you have to be taught. You have to learn those things. They don't, they don't come easily. You have to practice. And, 
and, and, and, and be taught over time. You're not going to learn to sail a boat overnight. You're going to not learn to play an instrument overnight. You're not going to learn to hunt overnight. You have to have continual training in your life. And so what Solomon's saying here is this is, again, Proverbs is not a quick fix book. This is stuff, this wisdom of God needs to be relayed to you and, and, and uh, marinated in over time. Okay, this is instruction. This is, this is a, a timely process of you being molded in the right direction. That's what the word knowledge speaks of. Okay, having the right information in your head. And getting the right information in your head takes a lot of time. Okay? Next is the word discretion. Verse 4, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. The word discretion is the ability to form wise plans after understanding a matter. It's even used in the Bible in a negative sense of evil people when they devise a plot. So this is important, okay? Solomon wants us to be able to take the information, the wise information, and then come up with a game plan for life. Okay, this is what the Bible says about money. So how do I structure my financial situation to honor God? This is what the Bible says about marriage. What's my game plan? We're going to talk a lot about uh, adultery. Uh, there are several very striking chapters in Proverbs warning people against adultery and the, the, the pain and the destruction that adultery brings. And we're going to look at that um, as we walk our way through Proverbs. Okay, it's there. Adultery is a very real temptation. Satan wants to destroy our marriages. So what's your plan? What's your plan? You're going to just say, okay, well, good to know that. Or are you going to come up with a game plan to protect your marriage? Does that make sense? Okay. Or wise words on communication. What's your plan to, to, to talk to someone about a, an important issue? And so that's what uh, discretion is. It's the ability to take the information, process it, and then come up with a plan to go in the right direction. Powerful word. The next word is the word learning, verse 5. And again, these are all related. I understand that. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. Learning means to lay hold of, to grasp, to acquire. It's even used in the marketplace to mean to buy something. So it means, okay, um, say that I have, uh, say I have all wisdom right here in my hands. Okay, Learning is saying, okay, that wisdom is now mine. I'm acquiring it. I'm taking it into my own life. Okay, It's mine now. That's what... That's what learning means. You've actually learned it, okay? You grasp it with your mind. The next word is the word counsel, verse 5. A wise man will hear and increase in learning. A man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. The word counsel is related to the verb to steer a ship. Counsel is wise guidance that moves one's life in the right direction. All right? So counsel, uh, uh, counsel implies that someone else is involved in the process. Okay, now look at me for a moment. This is important. To get wisdom, God gives it to you, all right? But God also uses other folks to help you in the process. So wise people listen to wise counsel. That's important. We'll talk a lot about that uh, as we work our way through Proverbs, okay? Wise people listen to wise counsel. They let others mentor them in wisdom. Okay, it comes primarily from God, but God uses others as well to help us in that journey. One of the great tragedies in life is when you come across someone that is unteachable. That thinks you can't teach them or no one can teach them anything. They think they've got it all figured out. A person 
that is unteachable, a person that is closed off to any kind of counsel in their life, is a person headed for destruction. You better believe it. I'm telling you, people that are unteachable are, are a target for the enemy. An easy target for the enemy. Because we've all got some things to learn. Can I get an amen? We all need some help and some counsel and some instruction and some guidance. And, and we need to remain teachable. That's what a lot of the Proverbs are about. Stay teachable. Have that heart to want to grow in wisdom, knowledge, understanding. And so the, the, the word there is counsel. So those are all synonymous, but the, 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 the key word is the word wisdom. The word he starts with, to know wisdom. He unpacks that instruction, counsel, understanding, discernment, guidance, all that. And so that's what wisdom is all about. Any questions about that before we talk about the starting point? Any questions about wisdom? Now we're going to go faster than this. <laughs> we're not going to go this slow every night, okay? I know we're, we're focusing on these first seven verses, but we'll, we'll cover bigger passages in the next weeks. But any questions before we move on to where this all starts? All right. Every journey has a starting place, right? If you run in a race, it has a starting place. If you go on a trip, you have a starting place. Every journey has a starting place. And the journey to walk in wisdom has a starting place. And Solomon wants us to understand on the front end of things where the starting place is. If you, he said, here's what he's saying. If you want to walk in wisdom, if you want to live a wise, godly life, here's where it all starts. Where's the starting? Look in verse 7. This is the starting place. And I, again, I think one of the key verses of the book. He says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Fools are unteachable is what he's saying there. So the starting point for walking in wisdom is to fear the Lord. I don't think I'm going to say anything more profound to you tonight than what I just said. The starting point for walking in wisdom is to fear the Lord. Uh, look in chapter 9, verse 10 with me. This reiterated. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. That's the starting point. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Look with me in chapter 15 of Proverbs. Verse 33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom. It's the starting point. And honor comes, uh, before honor comes humility. So again... The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. That's where it all starts. Okay? So here's the big question. What does it mean to fear the Lord? We, 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 we don't use that phrase a lot anymore. There was a time in our nation we used that phrase a great deal. You would hear people refer to someone else as a God-fearing man or a God-fearing person or someone having a God-fearing family or you even heard people refer to the United States of America as being a God-fearing nation. There was a time when our nation was a God-fearing nation. I think we're past that time now. I hope we get back to that time one day, but we're, we're, we're way past God-fearing nation. But that terminology was used, the, the term fear God. We don't use it much anymore. So what does it mean to fear God? What does it mean to fear the Lord? Here's the definition for you. The fear of the Lord means reverence for God, respect for His Word, hatred for evil. I took, a, I took Warren Wiersbe's uh, definition, I added that phrase, hatred for evil, because I think it's so important. I'll show you that in a minute. 
and a prompt willingness to obey. Fear of the Lord means reverence for God, respect for His Word, hatred for evil, and a prompt willingness to obey. Okay? When you tell your child to do something and they say, I'll do it tomorrow, how does that make you feel as a parent? Doesn't work like that, does it? That's not how the game is played. We understand that. You, as parents, we want prompt obedience. And, and God wants prompt obedience because if it's not prompt, it's not obedience. Okay? It was a prompt willingness to obey. And so, if you notice there in your notes, there are 18 references to the fear of the Lord in Proverbs. And they're listed there um, for you. Let's look at some of these together. Look in, uh, first, uh, let's look in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 29. We looked at verse 7 already. Look at verse 29. He's talking about those that rejected wisdom. He says, they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Those that do not fear God will not want His knowledge, will not want His wisdom. Okay? Look with me in chapter uh, 2, verse 5. He says, when you seek wisdom, verse 4, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Look in chapter 3, verse 7. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. That's why I added that phrase, to hate evil. Turn away from evil. People that fear the Lord don't want evil. They want to turn away from evil. Look in chapter 8, verse 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It's pretty clear, isn't it? So listen, look at me real quick. People that fear God hate evil. Hate it, okay? Pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverted mouth, I hate. We could look at a lot of other verses. But 18 times the Bible mentions the fear of the Lord. And when you look at all those together, the fear of the Lord means reverence for God, respect for His Word, hatred for evil, and a prompt willingness to obey. That's what it means to fear God. And so, if you have reverence for God, awe for God, respect for who He is, if you respect His Word, that His Word plays a central role in your life, you hate evil and don't want to be caught up in evil, you want to stay away from evil, and you have a prompt willingness to obey God, then you fear God. And if you fear Him, then that means that you will begin to grow in wisdom. You can't, you can't, you can't respect God, respect His Word, hate evil, and be willing to obey and not grow in wisdom. It's going to happen. God's going to give you the wisdom that you need. Now, let's kind of back up for a moment and think about what fearing God means in terms of the big picture. We cannot ignore what God says about salvation and fear of the Lord. Look over in chapter 14 with me. Chapter 14, verse 27. It says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. So Proverbs says that the fear of the Lord gives you life and helps you avoid death. And that is true on the, in a spiritual sense. It helps you, it gives you, the fear of the Lord gives you spiritual life, helps you to avoid spiritual death. Because if you take God and His Word seriously, you're going to take Him seriously about the most important issue in the world, which is your salvation, the condition of your soul. So if you're going to take God seriously, you're going to take Him seriously on that issue. Does that make sense? You have people that, that say, you know, I'm all for God, I believe in God, but they've rejected Christ. And it doesn't work like that. You can't reject Christ and fear God because you're not taking God seriously with all of His Word. 
The Lord has said that we're sinners, we're lost, and we're bound for hell, but God has made a way for us to be saved, and the only way we can be saved is by putting our faith in Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. If you reject that, you don't fear God. You're not taking His word seriously. So the starting, I guess what I'm saying is, the starting place for fearing God is embracing Christ. That's there in your notes. The starting point of fearing the Lord is to embrace Jesus as Lord and Savior, which makes a lot of sense when you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So turn with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We'll bring it all together here with this verse. Paul writes, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, you're saved, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So notice there that Jesus is the starting point for wisdom because Jesus is the starting point for fearing the Lord. Does that make sense? So, so everybody look at me for a moment. Let me kind of give this to you visually. If we want to fear the Lord, the starting point I mean, if we want wisdom, the starting point is to fear the Lord. If we want to fear the Lord, the starting point is Jesus. Taking him seriously about the most important issue in your life, which is your soul and your eternity. And once you take him seriously about Jesus, and then begin to get in the Word and have respect for God and obey him and shun evil, then God begins to give you that wisdom you need uh, for your life. And so the starting point for wisdom is the fear of God. The Lord. I love this quote from Dwayne Garrett in his commentary on Proverbs. He writes, Reverence for God determines progress in wisdom. Reverence for God, fear of God, determines progress in wisdom. You show me someone that fears God, I mean truly fears God, I'll show you a wise person. You show me someone that rejects God, does not have reverence for God, I'll show you a fool. The Bible says that. The Bible says that. So, those are some thoughts about the starting point for wisdom. So, as we walk through Proverbs in these next months together, it's going to take us a while. As we walk through Proverbs, we're, the goal is that we grow in wisdom. Okay, That we acquire what we need to know and apply what we need to know uh, as we get inside from God to live a life that glorifies Him. And the starting point for that is to fear the Lord. So we need God to do that in our life, to fear Him so we can be positioned to receive from Him what we need.